द लॉ स्कूल ऑफ अमेरिका Specific performance is an equitable remedy in the law of contract, whereby a court issues an order requiring a party to perform a specific act, such as to complete performance of the contract. It is typically available in the sale of land law, but otherwise is not generally available if damages are an appropriate alternative. Specific performance is almost never available for contracts of personal service, although performance may also be ensured through the threat of proceedings for contempt of court. Specific performance is commonly used in the form of injunctive relief concerning confidential information or real property. While specific performance can be in the form of any type of forced action, it is usually to complete a previously established transaction, thus being the most effective remedy in protecting the expectation interest of the innocent party to a contract. It is usually the opposite of a prohibitory injunction, but there are mandatory injunctions that have a similar effect to specific performance. At common law, a claimant's rights were limited to an award of damages later the court of equity developed the remedy of specific performance instead should damages prove inadequate specific performance is often guaranteed through the remedy of a right of possession giving the plaintiff the right to take possession of the property in dispute as with all equitable remedies orders of specific performance are discretionary so their availability depends on its appropriateness in the circumstances Such order is granted when damages are not an adequate remedy and in some specific cases such as land which is regarded as unique an order of specific performance is generally not granted if any of the following is true specific performance would cause severe hardship to the defendant the contract was unconscionable common law damages are readily available or the detriment suffered by the claimant is easy to substitute then damages are adequate the claimant has misbehaved unclean hands Specific performance is impossible. Performance consists of a personal service. The contract is too vague to be enforced. The contract was terminable at will, meaning either party can renege without notice. Note that consumer protection laws may disallow terms that allow a company to terminate a consumer contract at will. For example, unfair terms in consumer contracts regulations 1999. The contract required constant supervision. Mutuality was lacking in the initial agreement of the contract. The contract was made for no consideration. Specific performance will not be granted for contracts which are void or unenforceable. The exception to this, in equity, is in relation as stoppel or part performance, where an injunction to restrain an employee from working for a rival employer will be granted even though specific performance cannot be obtained. The leading case is Lumley v. Wagner, which is an English decision. Additionally, In England and Wales, under section 50 of the Senior Courts Act 1981, the High Court has a discretion to award a claimant damages in lieu of specific performance or an injunction. Such damages will normally be assessed on the same basis as damages for breach of contract, namely, to place the claimant in the position he would have been had the contract been carried out. Examples. In practice, specific performance is most often used as a remedy in transactions regarding land. such as in the sale of land where the vendor refuses to convey title the reason being that land is unique and that there is not another legal remedy available to put the non-breaching party in the same position had the contract been performed however the limits of specific performance in other contexts are narrow moreover performance based on the personal judgment or abilities of the party on which the demand is made is rarely ordered by the court The reason behind it is that the forced party will often perform below the party's regular standard when it is in the party's ability to do so. Monetary damages are usually given instead. 
Traditionally, equity would only grant specific performance with respect to contracts involving chattels where the goods were unique in character, such as art, heirlooms, and the like. The rationale behind this was that with goods being fungible, the aggrieved party had an adequate remedy and damages for the other party's non-performance. In the United States, Article 2 of the Uniform Commercial Code displaces the traditional rule in an attempt to adjust the law of sales of goods to the realities of the modern commercial marketplace. If the goods are identified to the contract for sale and in the possession of the seller, a court may order that the goods be delivered over to the buyer upon payment of the price. This is termed replevin. In addition, the code allows a court to order specific performance where the goods are unique or in other proper circumstances, leaving the question of what circumstances are proper to be developed by case law. The relief of specific performance is an equitable relief which is usually remedial or protective in nature. In the civil law, the law of continental Europe and much of the non-English speaking world, specific performance is considered to be the basic right. Money damages are a kind of substitute specific performance. Indeed, it has been proposed that substitute specific performance better explains the common law rules of contract as well. In English law, in principle reparation must be done in specie unless another remedy is more appropriate. Legal debate. There is an ongoing debate in the legal literature regarding the desirability of specific performance. Economists, generally, take the view that specific performance should be reserved to exceptional settings because it is costly to administer and may deter promisers from engaging in efficient breach. Professor Stephen Chevelle, for example, famously argued that specific performance should only be reserved to contracts to convey property and that in all other cases, money damages would be superior. In contrast, many lawyers from other philosophical traditions take the view that specific performance should be preferred as it is closest to what was promised in the contract. There is also uncertainty arising from empirical research whether specific performance provides greater value to promises than money damages, given the difficulties of enforcement. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. Liquidated damages, also referred to as liquidated and ascertained damages, LADs, are damages whose amount the parties designate during the formation of a contract for the injured party to collect as compensation upon a specific breach for example, late performance. An average of the likely costs which may be incurred in dealing with a breach may be used. Authority for the proposition that averaging is the appropriate approach may be taken from the case of English hop growers v. Daring, 1928. When damages are not predetermined slash assessed in advance, then the amount recoverable is said to be at large, to be agreed or determined by a court or tribunal in the event of breach. Common law. Generally, at common law, a liquidated damages clause will not be enforced if its purpose is to punish the party in breach rather than to compensate the injured party, in which case it is referred to as a penal or penalty clause. One reason for this is that the enforcement of the term would, in effect, require an equitable order of specific performance. However, courts sitting in equity will seek to achieve a fair result and will not enforce a term that will lead to the unjust enrichment of the enforcing party. For a liquidated damages clause to be upheld, two conditions must be met. 1. The amount of the damages identified must roughly approximate the damages likely to fall upon the party seeking the benefit of the term. 2. The damages must be sufficiently certain at the time the contract is made that such a clause will likely save both parties the future difficulty of estimating damages. Damages that are sufficiently uncertain may be referred to as unliquidated damages, and may be so categorized because they are not mathematically calculable or are subject to a contingency. 
Contracts under common law require there to have been some attempt to create an equal or reasonably proportionate quota between the damages made and the actual loss. Parties must not lose sight of the principal compensation and they must keep the time of execution and the difficulty of the calculations in mind when drafting the contract. Example. Neil Townsend agrees to lease a storefront to Richard Smith, from which Richard intends to sell jewelry. If Townsend breaches the contract by refusing to lease the storefront at the appointed time, it will be difficult to determine what profit Smith will have lost because the success of newly created small businesses is highly uncertain. This, therefore, would be an appropriate circumstance for Smith to insist upon a liquidated damages clause in case Townsend fails to perform. In the case of construction contracts, courts have occasionally refused to enforce liquidated damages provisions, choosing to follow the doctrine of concurrent delay when both parties have contributed to the overall delay of the project. Contracts in the next three family use the term low service damages, optional clause X.17, and generally include a low service damages schedule. The definition and scope extended. In Australia, the definition of liquidated damages applies to the situations where upon the failure of a primary stipulation, imposes a detriment to the first party or a benefit to the second party by a secondary stipulation collateral to the primary stipulation, i.e. it does not have to be a breach. Uniform Commercial Code In the United States, Section 2-718-1 of the Uniform Commercial Code provides that, in contracts for the sale of goods, damages for breach by either party may be liquidated in the agreement but only at an amount which is reasonable in the light of the anticipated or actual harm caused by the breach, the difficulties of proof of loss, and the inconvenience or non-feasibility of otherwise obtaining an adequate remedy. A term fixing unreasonably large, liquidated damages is void as a penalty. This largely mirrors the common law rule, which applies to other types of contracts under the law of most U.S. states. The law applied to bank and credit card charges. United Kingdom UK bank and credit card customers were being charged as much as £39 for a single transaction taking them over their credit limit. Consumers argued these charges were well beyond the cost of sending a computerized letter. In 2007 the Office of Fair Trading investigated the charges being imposed on customers of credit card companies. In its report, the OFT claimed these charges were unlawful under UK law as they amounted to a penalty. It said it would be prepared to investigate any charge over £12, though this was not intended to indicate that £12 is a fair and acceptable charge. The OFT said it would be up to a court to determine such an amount based on the established legal precedent that the only recoverable cost would be actual costs incurred. The credit card companies did not produce evidence of their actual costs to the OFT, instead insisting their charges are in line with clear policy and information provided to customers. Receipt of liquidated damages and intimately linked with the purpose of the profit-making apparatus, is a capital receipt. The amount received by the assessee towards compensation for sterilization of the profit-earning source is not in the ordinary course of business. Hence, it is a capital receipt in the hands of the assessee. In 2009 the Supreme Court ruled that terms in bank account contracts were not capable of being penal, bar those applicable to NetWest Bank customers between 2001 and 2003. The court ruled that the charges were a charge for a service, and not a penalty for damages for breaching a contract term. Australia. In 2012, the High Court of Australia allowed an appeal against findings of the Federal Court of Australia that exception fees imposed by the ANC Bank could not constitute an unenforceable penalty. 
The High Court found that fees were not incapable of being characterized as penalties merely because they were not charged upon breach of contract. Conversely, in 2014, the federal court, Gordon J., described $35 late payment fees by ANZ Banking Group to customers who failed to make their monthly minimum credit card repayment as being extravagant, exorbitant and unconscionable and ordered for these fees to be reimbursed. ANZ appealed. In 2015, the full court overturned Justice Gordon's first instance judgment that credit card late payment fees charged by ANZ to its customers constituted penalties at law and equity, and were therefore largely unenforceable. The decision otherwise upholds Justice Gordon's findings that honor, dishonor and over-limit fees charged by ANZ were not penalties, unconscionable or unfair. While the decision is very fact-specific, it represented a major setback for other class actions based on penalties. Paisiaco appealed to the High Court. The last chapter of the bank fees saga took place in July 2016 where the High Court dismissed the appeal for leave and held that the full court was correct to characterize the loss provision costs, regulatory capital costs and collection costs as affecting the legitimate interests of the bank. The court asserted that the fact that those categories of costs could not be recovered in an action for damages did not alter that conclusion. Further, Neither the fact that the late payment fees were not genuine pre-estimates of damage nor the fact that the amounts charged were disproportionate to the actual loss suffered by itself rendered the late payment fees penalties. Other Legal Systems Civil Law Civil law systems generally impose less severe restrictions on liquidated damages. For example, Article 1226 of the French Civil Code provides for Clause Penal a variant of liquidated damages which combines compensatory and coercive elements. Judges may adjust excessive contract penalties, but such clauses are not generally void as a matter of French law. Article 420-1 of the Civil Code of Japan provides an even firmer basis to uphold contractual penalties. 1. The parties may agree on the amount of the liquidated damages with respect to the failure to perform the obligation. In such a case, the court may not increase or decrease the amount thereof. 2. The liquidated damages shall not preclude the demand for performance or the exercise of the cancellation right. 3. Any penalty is presumed to constitute liquidated damages. In the U.S. state of Louisiana, which follows a civil law system, liquidated damages are referred to as stipulated damages. Prior to January 1, 1985, Louisiana law used the term penal clause under the former Article 2117 of the Civil Code. Stipulated damages create a secondary obligation for the purpose of enforcing the principal obligation. The aggrieved party may demand either the stipulated damages or performance of the principal obligation, but may not demand both except for delay. Stipulated damages may not be modified by the court, and will therefore be enforced, unless they are so manifestly unreasonable as to be contrary to public policy. Islamic Law Islamic Law prohibits garar, uncertainty, in contracts and liquidated damages provisions are a favored mechanism to overcome uncertainty regarding contractual damages. The Law School of America This has been a Creative Commons licensed podcast. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America. Mm-hmm.